welcome back to the Outer Towns podcast. I'm Steve. I'm Simon. And we're going to kick it off with a week in football now. Okay, so this week uh, we saw Spurs v United, um, Ollie's first big challenge. We did, yes. I think you would you would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, good game. Uh, it was. I'd say it was a game of two halves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can't deny that, can you? I think, was it, let's say, 11 or 12 saves from 11, De Gea? 11 saves from De Gea in the second half, which was actually the most... Um, by any goalkeeper in any match yeah. never mind in, I mean in you any... can't deny his quality can you? you really can't I mean I was talking this week uh, and saying he probably still is the best in the world in, when, I, when I, he's on I don't on. know uh, but that might be my, my it may be my bias um, I think he had a poor World Cup and that that hindered him slightly well, the, it, Spanish, the Spanish press called him the ghost didn't they yeah he did um, yeah. he made a couple of uncharacteristic errors in that World Cup, and then he comes into a United side who weren't great defensively, so they didn't have a great deal of. No, but as a Liverpool fan, you know just how hard it is to, to win football matches without a good defence in front I do, of you. Or without a good goalkeeper as well, having watched yeah, um, a yeah, certain yeah, Sam and Lawrence Carrius. Um, I think he had a fantastic second half. I, when we were talking about it being Ollie's first stern test, he did pass it because he won the three points, but mm. he, he won't have. He won't have wanted his goalkeeper to have to make those saves. It's not like Oli won the battle tactically. Yes, no. United were brilliant in the first half. Spurs on another game. On but Oli scored one goal. That's my yeah uh, exactly. Uh, we yeah. spoke earlier, didn't we? Just before we we came onto the podcast, and I was saying that it, it was a big test for Oli and Solskjaer, mm. and they won. But they only won one nil. They did all of that ball in the first half. All of that superb movement. And it was again, brilliant. it was. You know, it was like. I, I feel like I've I've explained how much I dislike Pogba and mm. his his five months off. That pass though, it was there is un, there is no doubt he is a world class footballer. I'd say he has the potential to be world class. That's what I mean. I mean to in be world class, De Gea is exactly. You know what I mean? To be world class, you need to show consistency. And Pogba has never shown that in his career. He had a few good months at Juventus. But he's never shown that consistency over. It's, it's difficult to show time. consistency with your bottom lip out oh, oh, most exactly. of the time. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Completely um, agree. And, and that, I think that's his biggest issue because mm. um, he has the ability to lead that United team. He for does. Next, he does you, you'd probably say ten years if he wanted to. Yeah. So he's thirty-five. That if he wanted to, if it's if desire want, exactly. Pogba's part. For me, he's he's got a, he's got too much of that bravado, too much of that mm. Cristiano in, in, in him that he thinks he, he's going to go and defeat the world he's already played at Juventus mm. he's now at United the next big step you'd think would be to Spain but if you, if you knuckled down and said no this is this is the one could for me could be a United legend he could be an absolute United legend if he knuckled down um, in terms of the game I thought I think it was summed up on Twitter earlier this week in, in the fact that um, was it was it the sixth win for Oli or the sixth Sixth win, yeah. Six, 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 six games, mark, six yeah. win, yeah. still, still six. six. Yeah, I think that yeah. sums it up for me and just shows how <laughs> bad the United start has been. It is. I think it's going to be the games like today. Today, this isn't against Brighton. I think You've got Brighton. Um, yeah. I think some games like today, which are going to be the the big tests. I, d- I don't know. When we played Brighton last last week, it, it was a test because it was at the Amex, the the, the very compact Brighton. I think if United get an early goal, they they could run up, they could run up quite a few it's four true. or five nil. Um, with United, it's a tough one. Obviously, I've got to balance my complete hatred against them with with yeah. my my enjoyment of football. Because we are but unbiased. We are completely unbiased. Uh, that first half, 
is the best I've seen United play for quite some time. And I don't mean, yeah, they scored a goal. I mean, attacking, moving yeah. off the ball. It was almost... I'm, I'm, I don't want to say it was like under Fergie because that last year, um, it was a bit of a weird season. I'd say his squad overperformed under Fergie. Wouldn't, Without wouldn't, a doubt. Exactly. Uh, but it was the most attacking I've seen United. So it's hard to say that Ollie hasn't made a difference. But I think you, you mentioned at the start, you came up with an interesting stat about new managers at new clubs. Yeah, it's I, I can't tell the exact stat of it, but it's it's a common thing, isn't it, in terms of uh, a new manager goes to a club and, you know, I, I'm just going to throw up a sense out because we are well informed in this podcast, <laughs> but you'd say probably 80% of the time There's an clubs have an upturn of results. They bring home three points every you know few games. It's only been, you know, Well, this is games. the seventh, this is this the seventh, seventh game. Yeah, so... You know, and again, going back to Pogba and Co, they seem to have quite a short, short attention span. What well, is in? You think as soon as something goes wrong? Yeah, as soon as the, as soon as they hit a, a bump in the in the Ollie train, heads go down. Yeah, heads might go down and things might turn. Again, I, my hatred for United isn't as 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 deep as yours. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I don't I don't profess to love them. No. But in terms of them being a Northwest team as we are from mm. the Northwest, um they are obviously a, a club that are close to us in terms of distance. Mm. Um so I do keep interested in what they're doing. For me, I just can't see a man who crashed and burned at Cardiff as badly as he did. I spoke to my brother about this last week and he said he wants Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get the job. He wants he wants in that terms, to happen. In terms of in the terms, long term, in, in terms of the long term yeah. uh, plan for us as Liverpool fans, yeah. he wants he wants Solskjaer to do well in the short term, so they give him a contract next year. Because Matty can't see Matty's my brother. Matty can't see United pulling up trees under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in, in the long term. For, for me, it's like he's come out and basically said there'll be no movement in the transfer window. Mm. Um, I think I heard. Well, it's because so, the board won't want to back someone no. in the interim. Absolutely not. It's as simple as that. Um, but the other, the, the, my point with that is that then we don't know the connections Holly, Holly has. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm always big. Uh, I argue the point that I don't think managers have as much say in transfers. I think as it depends. Other, well, I've said this too. I, yeah. I, I disagree to a, to a degree. I think it depends club by club. I, I don't. So United have Edward Wood and and mm. and all of that that goes with Woodward and. You know his his ability to bring in players and things like that, or lack of, or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, especially the defensive department. But for me, I can't see United continuing this trend with a defense of Eric Bay, Phil Jones, Victor Lindelof. No, do you know what I mean? I, th- I think they need a. Leader I do think there. I do think Lindelof is kind of overperformed. Maybe his second not season. Is it his second season now or third season? So. Either way, this season has been far better than last season. Yeah, um, I think under. Ollie, he's been better as well. So, I think we were speaking to a United fan, friend of ours, off mic, and it is that that culture of fear that Mourinho put into United. You, they were that scared of making a mistake. They yeah. played within themselves, and they're not doing that. Like De Gea, even De Gea, who we spoke about at the start of the yeah, podcast, yeah. was so scared of making a mistake of being called out by Mourinho it's, that he could have played within himself. I think I mentioned last week. I saw on Twitter about the pictures of of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> knelt down with the attacking players and things yeah. like that on the United Twitter and it just the vibes it gave me although I see where they were going it it's was almost just, forced it, it isn't was, it? it's yeah. forced it's it was cringe. a bit like oh Jose 
was like so everything's far. better now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, everything, and, and it's it's just it's like come the end of the season, let's see where you are. Yeah, you know, I, would I want to see them back in the Champions League? Probably as a Newcastle fan, they've not mm. they've not had. Well, they're in it. Anyway. They're still in it. Yeah, they? they are still, still in it. Um, would I like to see them in it next year? Probably because I think they're one. I of stole. Yeah, of course <laughs> you do. But you're unbiased. Um, they are a stalwart of Europe, and I think they are a, they are. The, the entire competition is better for that standard of team being in the you know the history and everything. But for, for me, we cannot say anything after six games because no. really, they, who have they played? They've, Spurs aside, they're still not playing. Spurs anymore. who have the the world class sort of message of we bottle everything. Yeah, do you know exactly. what I mean? And I'd like to see them come up against Liverpool. Again. I'd like to see them come up against. A Chelsea. We've got them all Trafford not so long off. I no, I, I think it's coming up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. not far off. So that'll be it. It'll be a test for us as well because they're in uh, they're in some good form. Well, hopefully by but then they may have just pulled back a little bit. Maybe the other game this week that we um, that we just want to quickly look into. Yeah, uh, and it's not really anything to do with the the, the result. It was three 0 City, and that kind of guess. Kind of, yeah, it was. To, it's to do with, and we we are off off Mike. We are sort of looking into refereeing and I think we're, we, are, yes. we are down the line going to be talking quite a bit in depth about refereeing but I yeah. think it's it's about this what what can what what, what is a red card these days I think it's, it's the big the big talk I don't point. think there's any consistency um, I, I really don't you look at the challenge from Willie Bowley on I think it was Bernardo yeah uh, that he got sent off for it was a straight red now the referee Craig Pawson at the time, seemed to give himself some thinking time. So I don't know if that means he's his, his linesman or his assistant referee. I'm okay with that. I no, think referees should be allowed fine. to do that. That's and fine. For me, that that's why it's so important to get the players from crowded. I agree. You should be able to stand back, think about what you've just seen, mm. discuss with who's around you. Yeah, of course. And make that decision. Uh, I don't think Bernardo's reaction to the challenge helped uh, the the situation, no. rolling around about 12,000 times. Um, now, if that's a bit... We say we don't know what a red card is, but if that is a red card, by the letter of the law, if that is a red card, then Vincent Company versus Mo Salah is a red card. For me, I think... I know amount you think, of contact... I know you, you think both are yellows, and that's fine. Yeah. But that means it's consistent. If one's a yellow card, then the other's a yellow I card. I absolutely agree. If one's a red card, then the other's yeah. a red card. And it comes back to you asking, what is a red card? These referees spend a lot of time in these performance centres mm. with... With you know the experts of the game in terms of, of of setting up drills and things like that and talking about what is what, mm. how have we not got a team of referees who referee the Premier League every week? Mm. How have we not got a team who you're not going to get it right every time? I'm not no, saying that not, you know no. you've got to every and I think that's why when VAR and we talked about this last week, so I won't yeah, go into it. But when VAR is set, it's going to help. But yeah. for me, why have we not got a team of, of top referees? Who can ninety percent of the time? I don't think that's too much to ask. No, be consistent with their counterparts. Well, I, I think if you contacted Mike Riley or it was Mike, it's Mike Riley now or Keith Hackett beforehand, the, the stats that they'd throw out, it would be something like ninety-nine point however many percent of decisions would be correct. And the reason it seems like it's less to the the paying customer is because the ones that aren't correct are often ones that change the way games go and are on TV and are on TV yeah. um, so I think that's 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 something to, to think of but I do not believe I, I've seen loads and this is coming from my unbiased um, perspective again I've seen loads 
on Twitter after we lost to City about us moaning about the Vincent Company challenge. Yeah. Uh, and all of City fans. Now, I don't think City fans can criticise Liverpool fans for that if they're happy to benefit from the exact same challenge. No, I, I think that's that's the big difference, isn't it? I mm. mean, fans will always, you know, uh, back their own team. Oh, of course, of course, I understand. But I, I'd just like to see, like you say, I think the very two very similar challenges. Mm. I don't think either of them were red cards, personally. I think now you see, they were I good, th- robust tackles. Mm, yeah, because they both won the ball. But I think in now, I think you hear the pundits. I think nowadays, and the game has changed. Yes. Nowadays, I think both are red cards, and I'd bring it back to uh, Virgil van Dijk against Napoli. Yeah, you talk um, about this. Yeah, I think he got away with that one because if we're going to say those two are red cards from Company and Bolton, mm. I think Virgil's is a red card as well. Yeah. And that, again, that's consistency. I think nowadays you cannot leave the floor, and all three challenges they left the floor. Yeah. In the rule book, it's a, it's it's an out of control challenge. Yeah, I get like it. If you're all, if you can, if your body is literally above the floor, if non, there's no contact point between you and the ground. You are out of control. Yeah, I get it. But for, for me, I think with with that, I think football has lost its way slightly. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think in the Richter scale of Roy Keane to modern to today's mm-hmm. football, we should be meeting somewhere halfway. You know what I mean? Maybe. You should be able. To take the ball and contact your man—that's football. I, I we're not playing basketball. We're not playing basketball, and where there's it's no, no contact. I, I agree with that. I agree. You need to be able to take the ball and, to a degree, take a man. But the game is far quicker now than it ever has been. So the chances for serious injury have, have increased massively. From, in my but, opinion, I agree. But that sometimes that happens in snooker. Oh, of course, oh, there are injuries. Oh, oh, Do you know what I mean? And that, there's I'm, always going to be injuries. I'm taking that to the extreme. But that's my point. In sport, there are risk of injury. For me, if you, yes, if you're out of control, absolutely. And all but three for, challenges are off the floor. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I just, I would say, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't class them personally yeah. as out of control. Right. I thought they were robust tackles in which there was a there was a fine line of error. Yeah. But isn't that football? I don't know. I'd say the reason these challenges are becoming more and more outlawed. Is because you want to see the best players and you want to protect the best players. Yeah. Uh, you want to see football. Yes, it's a sport, but nowadays, more so than before, it's an entertainment sector as well. Completely agree. And I think what we should do is we should save a lot of this um, until a future podcast where we talk in depth about referees and when we've everything. So what we'll do is we will move on to our next part. <laughs> So now let's move on to talk about bushes, Simon. Bushes. Bushes. Okay. There was a bit of news this week that came out. About a bush. About a bush. Right. About a very important bush that had huge ramifications for the game of football, especially down in the Skybet Championship. And what was that? It was... A spy in a bush. A spy in a... A spy in a bush. Are you writing a novel? <laughs> it sounds like a good novel, doesn't it? Yeah. A spy in a bush outside of Derby County's training ground. A lead spy, I believe. A lead spy sent by none other than Bielsa himself. I wouldn't have thought any Yorkshireman could be a spy, but that will, that's a different <laughs> subject. But there Completely we go. Completely different. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, from what I've read, in terms of what happened was um, Derby found a man in a bush, called the police, 
the police for some reason took a photo of, of man in bush mm-hmm. in the back of his police car. in the back of the police car yeah. i thought that was a bit strange i don't know why that very ever strange why happened no it's very strange but it's not a bit really this story isn't about that day is it it's about no. what's happened what's happened since or before really well once this came to light the first bit of main news was that uh, it was before the game wasn't it leeds derby is it day before i think yeah well Lampard was interviewed before the game, wasn't he? Um, yeah. In one of those normal interviews with Sky. And he said that Bielsa had spoken to him personally and apologised. Yeah. And Leeds themselves had apologised to Derby. And I think they'd said, was this, actually, no, it might have been after the game, actually, that the chairman came out and said he was having a conversation. Yeah, he was having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But then um, Bielsa called a press conference. And it, well, was it, wasn't less... a, it wasn't a press conference, was it? Well, it was it, a press briefing, I think briefing, it was. Because yes. there was no advertising. No, there was no advertising. I That's the that, difference. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really... Yeah, I agree. Um, and from the pictures of said press briefing... Incredible. Absolutely Bielsa incredible. was giving what was effectively a PowerPoint presentation. I One thing that I saw, which I, I found was funny, was uh, football manager, the, uh, the, the main creator there, was piggybacking onto it saying... We've got that in our game as well, <laughs> which I thought was, was fantastic. Really, that was very good. Yeah, that's and, very good. And it was incredible, wasn't it? I think the statistics, and a lot of it was um, was was in Spanish, was it or whatever? Yeah. Um, so you couldn't really. Because Argentinian. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I my. Well, that's why he had his is, translator there with him, wasn't it? Yeah, he's no yeah. bueno. So yeah. I don't know what a lot of it was, but the, the amount of statistics, I think. How many hours did they have? Two hundred hours. Two hundred hours. Bielsa, Bielsa came out and said, "This this whole spy thing, he, him sending a spy to every training ground of every club that they played against." Let's, let's get away from the spy thing. Well, because it, it, it is a spy. It you're is a right. Spy. It is. But he's, he sent a member of his staff, hasn't he? To go and watch. To go and watch the training be, sessions. What should be a behind closed doors training session? So Sh- it is. Yes, so I it agree. Is a spy. My argument here is, and we'll come on to the how it was dealt with afterwards. But from mm. my point of view, is here. How many times do clubs, I think, you know, probably every week, the mm. clubs open the training ground to the media oh, yeah, to come of course. in? They're not going to drastically change a training session no. based on the media being there. They're still going to run the same drills. They're still going to talk about the same tactics. They're still going to try and build a team to play against whoever they're playing. They're not going to stop that for a whole no. day, are they? Well, I'd ask the question as well that because there's so much media coverage of every single football club, I'd say in the Championship and the Premier yeah. League, what more could you gain? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. You, you watch they if you watch their games. So obviously at this time of the season you play 20 25 yeah. games. There's not going to be a great deal of difference. Players aren't going to do a great deal of different things just because they're playing Leeds exactly, or Derby. Exactly. They're just they're, it's going to be the small details, mm. isn't it? Which I think I suppose is where you argue Bielsa and Leeds have the upper hand. Yeah. But for me I heard something and it, I, I can't say I was listening to it 100%. I think I was doing something but I was listening to someone talking about this issue and relating it back to I think it was rugby or something like that yeah. and saying back in the day like if somebody wanted the, the the whole game highlights from one club they'd just email and say can we just have your highlights and they'd send it over yeah. and it was just a gentleman's agreement that they'd do that and I just think I, I think as with everything in football it was day one blown absolutely out of the water in terms of because it's never been Really known before, has no. it? I think they spoke to Lampard, and, and you know they spoke to a lot of exes. Lampard was kind of morally, I wouldn't say outraged, but yeah. annoyed. He said, "If if that was if he was to do that, he wouldn't want to be a manager." Yeah, they've all come out and said, "No, no, it never happened in our day," and things like that. And and 
I what? find I find that hard to believe. I do find that hard to believe. Like, it's gonna have happened, hasn't it? It's it gonna have happened. Yeah. But I think the the main part of this story is is the react is the reaction from Bealsler, his team. Lee. He's owned it, hasn't he? Like, I, I, he could have easily said, "We've been caught. We apologise. It was a big game for us. We just thought we'd try and get an upper hand." Whereas actually, he came out and said, "Yeah, we do it to everyone." Exactly. And for, for me, he's and it's been well looked into. He's not broken any of the the, no. the football league rules. He's not broken any FA rules or anything like that. When you get people saying, "Oh, you've got to look at the sportsmanship of it all," you know there isn't a specific rule that he's broken. Absolutely, that is that is your biggest indicator that no rule has been broken. Oh, he's for, acted morally wrong. It's, for it's me, rubbish. Bielsler is is a different type of coach. <laughs> I think we were talking just off off mic, and you said that you know the reaction of, of Pep. Oh yeah, Pep calls him the godfather of football. Yeah, and it's and, and Pep is quite a. I, I've seen because I've seen the Amazon. I don't have you seen, I've the, not Amazon? seen the Amazon? You've not seen the um, And obviously, that's not going to give you the full flavour of no, what happened. But a lot of Pep's sort of midweek work is in front of the screen, mm. talking about other teams and things like that and, yeah. and what they're doing. And I think obviously that has come down from from Bielsa because you look at what he had on that PowerPoint and, and what same. he was showing, Absolutely. and he was showing the clips and things like that. And I love the part that someone has obviously gone into the clips. And it's cropped the names over all the players. Yeah. You know, that's hours of work. I know it is. But I think I was watching. Yeah, it was the Derby stuff because it had Wilson there mm. um, taking a corner or whatever. But for, for me, it's just superb management. When if you are a footballer and your manager is putting in that amount of work and he has yeah. that amount of information, you go out onto that pitch feeling as prepared as you possibly can be almost exactly. invincible because exactly. you think our manager's done everything in his power to prep us for yeah. this game and at that level I mean for Leeds this year I think he's making break, make or break yeah, they need I've got to a friend this year. who's a Leeds fan um, you know and uh, to his sins but uh, <laughs> well for his sins but um, he he talks quite openly about how you know this year is is the make and break because they've got the team there you, you know that young winger Whose name is is um, evading me right now? But they've got that young winger Clark, actually. Yeah, yeah Clark, um, who I watched the other night. Absolutely superb. Mm. I, I wish he'd. Cr- I wish he could cross through the area a little bit more. Yeah. All of his crosses seem to zip along the floor. Worked for a goal. Mm. You know, so no arguments there. But I think they'll not hold on to him if he don't go up. I think this is this is it now. Uh, appointing someone with Bielsa's experience within the game of football yeah. and his standing within the game of football if they do not go up this year then you can't see them coming up for a while this is like I completely agree with you this is make or break for Leeds and at the moment it's going well the whole Spygate rubbish it's win at all costs and fo- top level football at the moment is yeah. win at all costs he's not done anything wrong I think I think we wrote well I wrote before this in our notes that we prepared the question that we'd end on we prepare for this yeah, well, it doesn't you sound ne- that way does it never, never know, know. <laughs> very good I think the question that I wanted to end this segment on was is it wrong is it right and I think actually rarely we're in agreement that we don't really find anything wrong with it, it, it we, we may agree quite a bit on, on here but I think we're, st- we're still being under our best behaviour but we don't agree on much <laughs> no. within football in terms of things like this but we do agree with this that Nothing for me wrong. for me, it's, it's a non-issue if I was a Leeds fan, I'd be buzzing having watched that oh, press brief, it's briefing. Uncharacteristically for Leeds, I yeah. would say, everything from the moment it came out mm. to that Bielsa press briefing, briefing, yeah. um, 
was just absolutely class. It was, it was brilliant. And I know my friend, I always, you know, I never agree with him either, but it's, no. as a Newcastle fan, I feel I have to fight. Of course. Of course. Uh, it's just instilled in us. Um, and I, I always sort of dog him about Leeds and stuff like that, but I, I've got to quite admire that. I mean, I, I will admit, the Premier League misses them. I, I'm not sure. I think we were just wise <laughs> Atmosphere wise, I've been to Ellen Road a couple of times. It's a horrible ground. It's a grim ground, but the atmosphere it creates is brilliant. Oh, Last yeah. time I went there was a long time ago. We had Jay Spearing in the side. Uh, it, was a cup game, it was a cup game at Ellen Road, and even a cup game at Ellen Road where we played Jay Spearing, it was a fantastic atmosphere. I don't particularly like them as a club, but from a personal standpoint. I'd love to go to Ellen Road as an away fan again, just yeah. because of the atmosphere. And, and for me, as, as someone who doesn't, you, you know, you extensively travel when you can do to get to away games. I I don't because obviously I support Newcastle. I'm a hundred miles, yeah, nearly two hundred miles away, whatever it is, hundred and odd miles. Um, so I don't get around as much. Um, but in terms of atmosphere, I have been to Leeds, and it was to watch a grim loss. It was for Leeds against Bolton and it was the coldest night of my life <laughs> but you can see where you've got fan, every fan in the seat massive fan basically you know, a big, they the, are a big club the whippets down the front oh, yeah. and everything and the flat caps and everything and all them roaring Leeds fans uh, which United player was it Roy Keane Paul Scott I, can't, I have no idea but didn't they say the most hated ground was Ellen Road to go I've to I've, I've heard just for the before, vitriol yeah. of, of yeah. Leeds so I, for me the entire thing was blown out of the water it was. I understand the the press coverage of it because it's something that we've not seen before. It's just but, it's just I don't papers see for the midweek. I it? don't see anything wrong with it. No, absolutely not. And I think you know we, we should hold on to this agreement, move on, <laughs> and just remember this forever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. Now we're going to talk about a situation that I know is very dear to your heart and the goings on up in the northeast. Do we have to? I think so. Yeah, I mean, this is the time, isn't it? It is, especially with the, uh, again, press coverage at the start of the week, especially thanks to a certain Mr. Ferdinand and Mr. Keyes. Uh, it's been rumbling on for, for, well, when did he take over? Was it 2007? 2007. 2007 yeah. he took over. I think by 2010, he'd said that he was looking to sell up. How, this seems to be like a rinse repeat type cycle. It is. He says, "I'm looking to, when things are going badly, when uh, on the pitch and off the pitch." He says he's looking to sell, so obviously he gets the hopes up of the Newcastle fans, and then he just doesn't sell. Do you know what? For me, rinse repeat, rinse repeat. You're absolutely right. And for for me, he, the only thing he's done for our club is leech. Yeah. We. I know you spent a lot of time midweek looking into stats, and I. I, I did. I'd read a lot of this in terms of how much, how much debt he took on himself right, so he took on 76 million pounds of debt when he bought which the is club. i mean it's not for a top level football club at the time it's not a great deal you look at no, exactly. clubs, relatively speaking it's not a great deal but then you look at how much the club is in debt now i mean especially that amount of debt especially when you fill this day in 52,000 exactly. every week most of them getting a football mm. shirt every year you know a 30 exactly. odd thousand of them getting a season ticket and every the premier year. league money that they get uh, <laughs> when we're in it when you're in it but also the parachute payments as well yeah um, so now Newcastle United can I ask what parachute payments well, yeah. never seen them no no of course we'll come not, to no. that um, the club Newcastle United are now £144 million in debt that's almost double uh, the amount of debt that Ashley took on when he bought the club yeah 
And for, for me, it, it just shows the mark of the man when his own company was plastered. It still is plastered all over, but he changed the name of a stadium that's dear to my heart, mm-hmm. a dear St. to a, a lot of hearts. Uh, even outside, it's a fantastic of, stadium. It, it's outside of our fan base, I think. Apart from, and I th- we talk a lot about that that small part of a, of every football team where you've got oh, the, yeah. the loud mouse who just spout a lot of rubbish yeah, and of let you down. But I think, in terms of around the, the 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 United Kingdom, I think we're thought of as we're not thought of probably great, but we're not thought of poorly. We're one of those clubs where. Everyone seems there to be a very okay good, uh, good set of fans on the whole Newcastle fans. Yeah. I lived there for two years, as you know. You did. Uh, went to, well, I go there uh, for away games. It's one of my favourite away days. Yeah. Uh, but I went to a couple of games in the Newcastle end when they were in the Championship. Absolutely the atmosphere was fantastic. fantastic. Um, you could, the fans are just very friendly, ha- happy to talk. Yeah. They do not deserve what is going on at that football. No, and right I think now. I think the writer was on the wall pretty pretty quickly when I actually took over in terms of how he was going to run us. I think uh, the stats we found this week was that, uh, and I'm just looking at them now, I'm looking at the net spend over, what is 12 years? It's the insane. net spend is 32 million, yeah. which, which um, averages out at 2.6 million. We don't do good math. but Two, We don't, no. But that is... 2.6 million annual net spend. It, for a team who've, who have been relegated twice, yep. I wouldn't say it's particularly because of the team that... I would say the team have contributed to it. I think the season we got relegated with the likes of um, it Soko, yeah, who let us down. Genie, Genie, let us down. I'm not. Yeah. I love you know my love of Genie Ronaldo. I do. Um, but I think he he got away with a with a lot of the uh, the abuse because of how poor Sissoko was and how much he let us down. But anyway, that's besides the point. I think the relegation twice. I, I, I just want to come back to the annual spend though of two point people like the likes of Ferdinand talk about how and Newcastle's detractors they talk about that year that Ashley you know why they detractors though, don't you go on Ashley is Ashley uh, Ferdinand's line whatever it's called oh his, his clothing line is Seven sports direct isn't it well, of course he, he's got an exclusive contract to sell it at sports direct well, of, of course therefore Rio feels the need to defend him because Rio clearly is in Barks to his master, of course. Uh, in terms of that, and then he's bringing on board other ex-professionals. I mean, I'm not going to sully this podcast with the name of the likes of Keys and all those, but to come out and say Rafa should start to spend, spend his, own his own money, money. it was the most ridiculous thing. I saw, I saw a really funny tweet midweek, uh, and it was a picture of Ferdinand next to Keys, and the quote was, um, "Who could come up with the most ridiculous comment?" to do with Newcastle and as soon as Ferdinand has, uh, said his part about yeah. Keyes was like hold my beer yeah I'll come I mean real Ferdinand coming out saying how Newcastle fans should be lucky to have someone like Ashley who who the club has no debt I'm sorry what well his, his research was off but to, to have a net spend of 2.6 million pounds annually but since he came in 30, uh, what, 12 years so 10 years out of the 12 that Ashley has owned us we've been in the Premier League mm. Like, that's insane. Teams coming up, but one year he did spend a lot of money. The uh, year we went down, he spent something like seventy odd, but he recouped. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. He spent 70, 80, 90 million yeah. to get you back into Premier League, and even with that outlay, even with that outlay, the net spend is still two point six million yeah. annually. It's ridiculous. Thirty million for soccer, twenty twenty five. You're nearly there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're nearly there. The man and. 
I'm not a Newcastle fan. It's a club that I admire, um, having lived up there for a couple of years. And and I'll say it again, it's a club that does not deserve what's happening to it. I mean, I yeah, I did a bit of research midweek. Um, Newcastle have been relegated in their history six times. Yep. Two of those times, that's a third, two of those times have happened in the short period of time yeah. that Ashley has, uh, has been in charge of the yeah. club. Um, he is a poison to that football club. Well, you look at how we were when Freddie Shepherd um, was chairman of us uh, those years just before he, he bought us. Um, we were in the Champions League. We got to the semi-finals, quarter-finals, oh, semi-finals yeah. of the, what was back then the UEFA Cup, wasn't it? UEFA Cup, whatever yeah. it was, yeah. And we got beat by Marseille. Was it Drogba? Yeah, it was UEFA Cup, yeah. Yeah, who knocked us Cause out they, that Because Drogba knocked us out in the same yeah, year yeah. for Marseille. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we... Say what you want about us, but we were we were in a position where... Strong position. A strong position. Strong we were position. we were almost guaranteed more seasons well, to be a top half. You would have been in a strong position, because why would Ashley have bought you otherwise? You wouldn't have bought exactly. a flailing club. He would have bought yeah. a club that he you thought was the, in a strong position. You look at the position. players we had, you know... The players like and one player I'm going to mention, Milner came through to us at one point. Yeah. You know, and Scott Parker was there, and Damien Duff. Damien so Duff, and you know, the players that we've had, we had through the ranks in 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 them years, the you know the two thousand years, um, were fantastic. And and for, there's always that the commentators love going on about it about how Newcastle fans wouldn't mind a loss. They mind a one 0 loss, but give them a four three loss and. The entertainment value, but it's, exactly. it's so true. Look at you. Look at when we got relegated, and uh, I'm going to start. Time. Which time? Yeah, both times. <laughs> and I'm going to start crying here. But we, I mean, we did drop off a, a couple of thousand fans, I think, per week. But forty nine thousand, insane. Yeah, it is, and and it's just such. It's 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 the blood of the city. It is. It's it's a cathedral. Uh, having lived there. You look up and you see St James's Park. It's on a hill. So it it helps. Is, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a focal point of the city. It's, yeah, it's it what people in that city work towards every week. It is the and only it, thing in that. And city. it's not that. It's the pride of oh, that yeah, club. It's the, it's the pride. And for me, I've been reading quite a lot about this. And as I, as I say, um, we've had we've talked about um, in the past. We've had we've had disagreements of how much of a fan I've you don't go to the games. But for me, I live. 100 odd miles away I don't I've been to the game you know I have been to the ground and I've watched them but I live quite far away and it would be economically difficult for me to get there you know so I do I catch it on TV whenever I can I read the Twitter and everything I keep up to date but for me the the reports coming out that back when Ashley took over St James's Park was in need of a bit of a of a of a refurb yeah, a bit of a bit of, bit of makeup yeah. to, to sort of to look make it look like a Premier League um, but now in 2019, nothing has been done. Let me come back at you with another example of something I know what like you're this. Uh, the training ground was supposed to be renovated in 2013. The plans were put in place yeah. for that. Where are we 2019 now? Nothing. Not a single spade no. has gone into the ground Absolutely. for that training ground. And for, for me, when you've got a manager like Rafa Benitez, who I don't think we've really mentioned. No, so far, which is like, really exactly. because of how good a manager <laughs> yeah. he is. Uh, you look at the guy and... He's been to Liverpool. He's been to Real Madrid. He's been to Milan. Well. He's been to Napoli. He's been to all of these clubs, and everyone has adored him pretty much. And he comes to Newcastle, and he, he he's a man who, when he gets into a city, 
he becomes part of that club. Well, he does. He does. He's still a part of Liverpool. He's, yeah, uh, I think he does I, a lot of the charity. Doesn't he does he? a lot um, for Hillsborough family support groups. I know his family still are based in the Wirral area. They are. Yeah. Um, his two daughters and his wife Montserrat. So he does. He becomes ingrained in the city, um, and the fact that he's been able to—I mean, he, he was a Mike Ashley appointment. He, he was appointed under Mike Ashley, um, but he's the fact that he's been able to keep a bit of distance between him and the owner has gone well with the fans. It has. But you look at you look you look the guy in the eyes, and you just think he, he's just a shell right now. Mm, right. And for me, was it is it Cardiff again? This is not something I'm really recent. Was it is it Cardiff this week or after a striker from France? Was it? Sure. One of those clubs that are around us are looking for like a nineteen million pound striker. Or whatever. Oh, there's no way. You... Uh, Cardiff have just it's... signed Niasse on loan. I know they have. That. Um, yeah, I can't think of it is, and and this is it's terrible really for the podcast that we're not. <laughs> but like I say, we do some research. We don't do everything, but um, it's just when you hear things like that, and, and for me, it's so tragic. And this is all to do with the fact that nobody's going into the club. Mm. You know, going back to we started on the training ground. But for me, you look at some of the reports of who we are after. And you think, oh yeah, this is this is this is interesting. You know, you mm. think you think, oh, not going to be too much money. Looks like they could be a good player, and then as soon as you see like an agent come out and say, look, it's going to be this much, you're like, well, we're not getting him. Thanks for trying. Yeah. Well, it's the you come back to uh, the amount of money that's been put in the club. Your record transfer is still Michael Owen at sixteen million pounds, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say it up our. He didn't. But the point friend. being. That was so long ago now. Two thousand. Graham Souness was in charge. He was. So Freddie Shepherd. So it'd have been just before Ashley. Just before took Ashley. Over. Yeah, you're right. So he's not broke in in twelve years of ownership. He's not 16, broken his. And for thirteen. It's insane that he hasn't broken that transfer record because between between now and then, back uh, to when you bought Owen at well, sixteen million, the transfer market. I disagree with it. It's blown up massively. It's blown up massively. But. But which season did he spend the most money on the club? The season we got relegated. Oh, yeah. So we're not going to bring in those big signings. Well, the, why do you think he did that? Because he wanted to come straight back in to the Premier League yeah. and get hold of that. But you TV look at the squad, cash money. I think I think I looked a couple of weeks ago. Eight of the starting eleven came up with us. Yeah. You know, one of our one of my favourite players in the club right now, Matt Ritchie, came was down there with us, brought yeah. us up. He's 29 years old. The legs. He's being used as a left wing back. We have a friend who's a Bournemouth fan, don't we? We do. And he wasn't that fussed that Richie went. So it wasn't like no. you went and stole him from Bournemouth. No, you look at what Fraser's got on. Yeah, they were quite happy to let Richie yeah. go. And, and Jack, our friend, uh, the Bournemouth fan, he wasn't that fussed that Richie was going. But he has been. I, I will say, Matt Richie's been one of the uh, one of our top performers. He's, he he might have the off game but he's, his heart is it's, it's that real Scottish steel for yeah, me and that's what we need you'll always but get 100% off the likes of Matt Ritchie the, the one thing you know to talk about Ashley and, and leeching off the club we've had in place plans to to extend the ground mm. um, because we probably you could fill it you could fill there's it. absolutely no doubt you, know, you could fill it so, as long as you were in the Premier yeah. League so we've had the, the ground of and again, this is this. I've not been to see to see it, so I can't say with my own eyes. But from what I've re- seen, we've had the area uh, behind the the stand bought for a few years. Guess who now owns it? Go on. Not the club, Mike Ashley. Guess what he wants to do with it? He wants to turn it into entertainment. He wants to turn it into restaurants, a bar. So that's going to mean if he does actually sell up, 
he's still got that he's land still reaching off of us because he's going to put some stuff on that land which should be to extend the stands if he does that we have absolutely no chance because as you know yourself and you know we're not we can't extend out really in that area now you see I didn't know that I think that's a very interesting point because basically even if he does sell up he's still got the club by the short and curlies exactly because he could say to the club well you can have this land but you've got to pay a premium yeah. for it and you know that and I think I, and this was really quick I think he has something to do with the main bar as well in the city centre the main Newcastle bar is the strawberry yeah the strawberry uh, does he yeah, yeah some, he has something to do with it or something but I, I, I kind of I know the strawberry by that time I've, I, I've had many many a decent drink in the I strawberry I can imagine <laughs> um, I, but by this time I had tears in my eye and I still hadn't done looking um, the other thing that's come out this week alongside the real thing and I, we may have to end on this because yeah. I am going to run out of the room boy was that um, none other than Dennis Wise is back in favour with Ashley? Oh. Do you remember the Dennis Wise that came to the club? I do. Around the time of like, the Joe Kinnear and things. Joe Kinnear, yeah. Who probably single-handedly... It's probably one of the worst regimes that the football club has ever had. Yeah. And it's just his little southern buddies. Uh, it is. It's his, it's his little uh, Cockney crew, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And what has Dennis Wise ever done? Well, he was a very good footballer for Chelsea. <laughs> very good footballer. Yeah, since but... then... I mean, how many friends does he have? He probably has three, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Mike Ashley being, being two of them. No comment. <laughs> um, but f- f- for me, what does Dennis Wise add? He, he destroyed, he, he was part of that little clique who destroyed us last time. He comes in, what contacts has he got? None. None. What does he do for our club? Nothing. I think the fact that Rafa Benitez doesn't have FaceTime with the chairman of the club and has to go through our whatever he's called, the managing director, Char- Lee Charnley. Lee Charnley yeah. It's disgusting. The fact that Rafa has to come out and say, I'm not talking about transfers, just because he knows he's going to get no money. No. We are in the relegation It'll places, be. I agree with as Rafa. As of the 19th of January. I agree with Rafa in that it will be a miracle uh, that you stay up. I want you to stay up. From a Liverpool fan's perspective, I want you to stay up. The only way we'll stay up is because there might be clubs worse than us. Maybe, yeah, like the likes of Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, but other clubs like Cardiff are starting to... Cardiff, but Burnley have got because out of it now. they're spending. They're spending, exactly. I think the best way to end this segment is on another uh, weird, uh, weird moment of us agreeing that the sooner that that man is away from your club and football in general... Yes. Uh, the better because he he almost he could have ruined Rangers as well. He's a sketchy, sketchy man who's in it for himself and no one else. And uh, I think we'll end just on this. He has ruined a club that I love. I know I follow a lot of Twitter fans, a lot of Twit on on Facebook that have said, I, I the, the 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 season ticket issue up there. You, apparently, you start paying for next season mm. season ticket this season, and they've said, look, we're done. And for me, as a Newcastle fan who is used to seeing St James's Park packed to the rafters with the fans singing, I think says all you need to say. I'd I'd end, I'd interject slightly and say he hasn't ruined your club; he's ruining because anyone who comes in and owns that club, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cliche, but it is a sleeping giant. If someone came in with a little bit of money, it's back. I wouldn't say back on top, but it's back competing top half of the table. We can dream. <laughs> and I think I'm going to go and take five minutes. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> okay, 
our final um, section this week is our usual roundup of sort of the transfers as we are in January and yeah. any kind of news stories that are rumbling on uh, this week. I think we'll start with um, a retirement uh, that's yeah. just been announced of, of what you can only describe as, as an absolute stalwart of, one of, of the, two clubs, really. Well, yeah, one of the greatest keepers to ever have played in the Premier League. Without a doubt, without a doubt. 333 games, I think it was, for Chelsea. 110 for Arsenal and 124 for his uh, nation, Czech Republic. I think that's an outstanding... Outstanding career. He's won every he's won every club honour yeah. that he could have won. Yeah, yeah. Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup, League Cup, yeah. Premier League titles. He is, without a doubt, top two, top three goalkeepers. And to, to, to win all that at Chelsea and then get overshadowed by a younger keeper and then still be hungry enough to leave to go to a different club and try again exactly. it, it says all you need to I think he's had a phenomenal career and I yeah. just wish him all the luck I don't think they're actually keeping him on in terms of coaching staff I've not heard complete... that so I think complete retirement I think he's deserved it yeah. um, definitely deserved he's deserved all the plaudits this week that he's got off all of his ex-teammates didn't really enjoy Jose's comment where he said he was honoured to be the manager to giving him his very first number one shirt because that, that was Jose being Jose it was Jose Taking credit, in my but view. But he's the special one. I mean, he, he made it about him again, which is ridiculous. And let's move on to... Uh, <laughs> the rumblings on that is still happening about Marko Nautovic. I don't think there's a, a great deal to talk about. I think about. we've spoken last couple of weeks about Marko, yeah, haven't we? Definitely uh, last week. Two and a, uh, his brother came out and said he wanted to leave West Ham. His brother also said he wanted to go to China to win titles. See, I hear that as he wants to go to ch- uh, China to win a lot of money exactly for not doing a great everyone knows people go to China and this is fine if you want as a human story to go and earn treble your wages doing an easier job anyone would would do that anyone and that's fine but it's a bit different for a professional but but if Michael wants to do that that's fine don't paint it that you want to go over and win titles. Yeah, like a holier than that. Exactly. Kind of Don't yeah, paint yeah. it that I'm not going for money, I'm going for the titles. Because anything he wins in China is meaningless. He's 29 as well, so he's at the peak of his career. If he wanted to leave West Ham for a Chelsea or for a Spurs... United or, have been linked with him in the exactly, past. Exactly. Then, then fine, because he'd probably double his wage to either of those. Yeah, true. Yeah. But the fact that his brother's made it out that he wants to go for titles, I think is ridiculous. Um... West Ham shouldn't get rid, I think I said this last week, shouldn't get rid for 35. They should be looking for at least 50, 60, which these Chinese clubs but have it, got. It, in, a, in a transfer window where, um, who is it from Tottenham's going to China? Dembele. For 9 million. Yeah, I just ridiculous. Don't, I don't understand it. it but it's either. weird where the money is in China. Uh, it's a it's a merry-go-round. So if Mark but it seems up, to me you go to China and think you're signing for one club and then, then you, end up go, another one. you go to another one. Yeah, it's, bizarre. it's a strange league and you know I'm sure next week we'll, I think we'll have an update on this. We club. will, but I think there's been a link to this story that I hadn't mentioned off mic was that if Marco were to leave for 50-60 million, West Ham would be in for Callum Wilson at a very similar amount. And I think that would be a good trade. At the minute Balancing he's, the he's, books yeah. at 50-60 million. Sell, sell an unhappy money grabbing Marco Arnautovic for 50 yeah. 60 million bringing a young hungry tried and tested tried and tested English uh, international Word for 56 million yeah they are <laughs> um, yeah you're absolutely right I think you know moving on because we are trying to keep this podcast to, to <laughs> trying to less than 50 minutes but we keep failing uh, <laughs> is the Higuain Morata merry-go-round it's, it is I think again 
it's a no-brainer for Chelsea. Higuain has been poor at AC Milan. We've agreed today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a stat, and I don't think you've really seen it in that uh, Morata's goal scoring at Chelsea is 16 in 47. I wouldn't say that's it's one in three, is it? Mm. Pretty much. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's. I think what happened was he had been, such a good start to his first season last year. Well, he had a fir- like the first eight, nine games. Yeah, he, kept, he just couldn't much, stop. Yeah. And then I think he had a long dry spell and his confidence is gone. And I think there are stories well, yeah, behind he, the scenes in terms of... During this time last year, a story emerged that he, uh, his best friend had died in the car crash. Now that, that message was... Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. And that confidence and everything. I think he's come back to Chelsea and he's just... I think, you know, any striker will probably tell you that once you've sort of lost the confidence to hit the net and lost the confidence of your manager it's, well, yeah true well. it's very difficult but I think Higuain coming in is, is a big big call it's 50-50 isn't it it, it could is. go either way it's it's between success and Falcao isn't it <laughs> I like that uh, yeah it is they tried this they tried this a couple of times bringing in a stopgap striker Chelsea they, you mentioned Falcao they tried Pato as well neither oh, I forgot about him yeah <laughs> I forgot about him uh it's, it's As did the club, apparently. Yeah, uh, it, it's not those two times it didn't work. Higuain, world class. Would you say world class striker when he's you know Higuain? Would you class him as a world class striker? I would. Uh, not recently. He's, there's obviously a reason that AC Milan don't particularly want him anymore. Could it be because he's a 31 year old in Italy? Maybe. Maybe. Enjoying the pasta. Maybe. Um, the reason I mean Juventus. You could argue Juventus were a little bit hasty in getting rid of him. The only reason Juventus probably got rid of him because. The, they had Ronaldo. There's not probably Ronaldo. about it. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, when Ronaldo could, comes in, everybody else well, leaves. Exactly. Well, AC Milan, I know, are paying for Higuain. I've read that they're paying Higuain's wages. So that would have been why Juventus wanted to get yeah. him off the books to pay Ronaldo. Um, I, I agree. It's between. It could go one of two ways. It could be Falcao or it could be a really shrewd move. But what I would like to say on this is his most successful ever season, goal-scoring-wise, was at Napoli under Sarri. So Sari wants yes. a player who he knows well. All he is, Napoli and Chelsea play two different games. They are, but, Sar- but if any manager is going to make a success of this, True. if any manager is going to make but a success, it's Chelsea haven't stopped the ball playing ways. They no. don't put balls into the striker. No, maybe because it's Morata. That could be the they issue. Used to, like, you think of the drug, but the cost that they put the ball into vastly different sport now, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I think it's going to be interesting, especially when we see next week. It does seem like Morata is leaving. For it looks Atleti. like he's athlete, yeah, yeah. Atleti bound. Um, I think uh, I read that Higuain was coming in. Uh, no, Morata was going to Atleti on on the basis that Higuain came in. So yeah. that it does sound a bit of a merry-go-round. Yeah. That one deal won't happen without the other. Yeah. Which is interesting because they had that same stipulation with, uh, and to not to talk about it from the third week in a row, but Fabregas to Monaco, Monaco yeah, and yet it's still not happened. Still no, still no replacement for Fabregas. We've still got you know ten or so days uh, to go, so we we'll yeah. have to see. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones is Mr. Babel to Fulham. What a man who you uh, <laughs> I, rave about. Is, I, I think would be rave the, about would be the uh, the plot. My favorite, my favorite moment of Ryan Bobble. Uh, was his winner against Manchester United at the cop end where he bobbled it into the ground and into the roof of the net. Uh, I was on the. You mean an uncontrolled goal? Well, yeah, from Ryan Bobble. I was I was cop end there. I went mental. Uh, he was okay. He was a bit of a speed merchant. No real footballing brain, but he does seem to have um, found himself in a bit of a career renaissance. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's, isn't he back in contention <laughs> back with his in national team? Back in contention with the national uh, the national squad with the Netherlands. 
um, played well at club level as well. Um, in Turkey. In but, Turkey, you know. yeah, in Turkey. But Fulham, Fulham are in a bit of trouble at the moment, so they need. Does it say much for Mitrovic though? Does it? Would it be Mitrovic because he's not a striker; he's more no, of a he's, winger. Yeah, it's more of a winger. Right. So I mean, a front if, if they were to play front three, there, no. if they were to play a front three of Babel, Mitrovic, and Schürrle, that's quite quite um, an attacking force. But the issue with Fulham is their back line; they're, they're leaking goals for fun, yeah. and yet they sign a winger. Bit of a strange. I'm going to say, long may they continue to sign the wrong. <laughs> and in yeah, terms of, of signing the wrong players, let's move to another club who I can continue. Uh, Cardiff Umani Asi in my mind it's a shrewd bit of business which I hate to say it, well he went through that little bit of a um, purple patch on McCoomin didn't he where he was, uh, he was either coming on as a sub and scoring yeah. or scoring from the start and he, he's obviously fallen he's out he's one of those who he knows where the net is you've just got to you've just got to sort of as a Cardiff fan I suppose put your fingers together and hope for the best really. it's interesting though isn't it Neil Warnock uh, signing a foreign player when he's just recently said to hell with the rest of the world isn't look, it look we're not <laughs> we also aren't political let's no, move on um, I, there's just a couple of other things I wanted to talk about um, Kiko Kassir to Leeds yeah it's it's a big signing that level, I think it's I a think big man... name signing but I think you said before we came on Mike he's, he's not played a lot of games he, he'll played I would thought the odd cup game Um He's never been the Real Madrid number one. It's a big signing because Leeds are signing someone from Real Madrid of all people. And I know, like I said, I've got a friend who's a Leeds fan <laughs> and he has been sort of a little bit annoyed by um, Peacock Fowler in terms of... He's a young lad, he's what, 22? So he's still learning his trade. I think, you know, it's, it's recognised that goalkeepers hit the, the pomp probably about late, 30, yeah, isn't late it? Late really? 20s. So he's still learning his, his thing. But um, just getting his stats up here recently. Um, played from 08 to 15, uh, Espanyol played 115 games. Went on, went on loan to, um, he was on loan within that time at Cadiz for sixty six games two seasons. Uh, he had a season at Cartagena, um, and then he went to Real Madrid. And in four years, he's played twenty five games for the club. Um, which for a goalkeeper, I think goalkeepers uh, more than probably most of the positions. If you're not playing, you, it's it's hard to come straight in, isn't it? Isn't it? I think you. I think it's one of those positions that you just need to be in every week to keep. Because I, I imagine, I know I've spoken recently, previously about being a fan of cricket. I know from a batsman's point of view, the more time you spend in the middle, the bigger the ball sort of becomes, and the yeah. easier it is to. to it's all to about find. momentum, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it is. A, it's a big story transfer, like I said, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he comes straight in or if Bielsa bloods him in a little bit with Peacock Farrell. But yeah, he's not. He's not played a great deal for Real Madrid, and I think Leeds fans shouldn't just automatically think because they signed someone from Real Madrid. Oh, they will do. It's going to be a success. Yeah, um, and really, I one that I wanted to mention, but sort of you kind of put me down completely was just a, a rejected bid um, rumor for Real uh, for Liverpool for João Felix, who I've have heard of. Um, yeah, it's, as, it's a pers- as a person who plays FIFA, um, I have heard of him. It was a Portuguese paper that have come up with this. I think it's I think it's more the Benfica trying to drum up interest for him. Um, Maybe the last time we did business with Benfica for a young, up and coming star was Lozar Markovic, and we all know how that ended. Wonderful. <laughs> he's still on your books. He's still isn't on he? our books, exactly. Where is it? Is he? He's still no, at the club. He's still at the club. Yeah, he's not. So he's well known. Nope. Um, I doubt this is true. I just think it'll be his agent trying to drum up interest. So what you tell me is Camacho is ahead of him in the. In the pecking order. Oh yeah, well Camacho's more of a fullback. Uh, well, I, I mean, thought he was. A, I thought he well, played he played winger for the uh, for Stevie's um, under 18s 
but Jurgen's used him as like a right wing back. Right, I see. Um, Lazar's not not been anywhere near the cup squads. Never mind the league squad. Poor that really, isn't it? Well, it is uh, considering at the time the money we spent on him twenty odd million was a lot. Mm. I don't I don't think there's anything in this. We don't need an attacking midfielder either. I mean, people would say creative we central midfielder. Yeah, we, people say we need a creative central midfielder, but we've got Shaq there. We've got Ox. We've, uh, and the, the it's, it's sounding promising. He sounds like the every Ox time is, I read a story, he's getting closer and closer. It sounds quicker, like the quicker. Ox will be back in full training by the end of uh, mid to end of Feb, which means he could be back for the running in March, April. So Could I don't I, I don't think there's anything. I else. hate people saying this, but it, it, it <laughs> winds me up. Like a new signing. That was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I hate that. But in terms of sort of the amount of time he's had off, know, yeah. he's going to bring a whole He was different... massive tours before his injury against Roma. Uh, and if he can come back to that kind of form, which I understand won't be straight away. And it might massive. not be the season. It might be, you know, he needs a pre-season. Exactly, he needs that yeah. needed. But, but to... Bring back to the uh, the Felix story. I, d- I don't think there's anything in that. I think that's the next step for Liverpool, isn't it? Though, um, in terms of you need to start now, sort of buying youth, maybe. Maybe I, I think we've got a very. We've just tied Robbo down. We've just tied Trent down. Tra- tied Gomez down. Our front three are relatively young as well. None of them are in their thirties. Is Mane the oldest of them? I think Mane. I think so. Um, I think so. But we haven't got that older. Fir- Milner brings up the average age, but Milner, however, well, he's fitter than I most know, of them. He, he is. He's been fantastic this year. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's end on just looking at the the big games this week. Um, I know you're excited. You're we're recording Saturday morning, and you're excited to be leaving for the Crystal Palace game. Yeah, I'll, I'll be setting off in about half an hour to uh, to go and watch us hopefully defeat Palace. But no, the, would you draw? Would you take a draw? There? No, no, no. It's at home. We need to, if we want to be winning league titles. I know. City lost this game, so it's going to be a difficult game. But we yeah. need to win. It's, it's a home game against Paris, uh, and they've got Huddersfield on, on, on tomorrow. So, yeah, so they're going to win that. We we just need to keep winning. You know, uh, I think the biggest game I think this week is uh, f- for me. I'm going to say United against uh, Brighton. As we mentioned earlier, you I I said that's going to be a big game. You said I don't think it'll be hard um, for United. I really don't. But this is still the same squad uh, for me. I don't know. I think I'm. I'm Maybe my mindset on them is, is more pessimism, but either way, I just think they need to continue the. Yeah, the they thing. do. They do. The biggest game today is the later kick off. It's Arsenal Chelsea. That's, That's going to be a humdinger, depending on which Arsenal turn up. It is. Uh, I was I was listening to to a radio station yesterday talk about this game, and from a completely Liverpool perspective, it's the first time I've thought of Arsenal Chelsea as like can't be bothered. None of them can catch us. I'm not, I mean, usually you hope no. <laughs> well, as a Newcastle as fan, you hope <laughs> none of them can catch you. Hope, yeah, hope. Um, usually, I'm wanting like, the United Spurs game last week. Um, I could never want United to win, but I always thought if United won, it would be a good result for us if Spurs lost because uh-huh. it puts them further behind us. But neither Arsenal or Chelsea. I just, I just want a good, entertaining game. I don't have any preference who no. to lose or win. Um, yeah, and I think that you know the, the rest. There's obviously another few fixtures, but I think those are the biggest. Yeah. So I think um, episode three. Episode three. Done we're, we're, getting th- we're getting through them. Um, yeah. We will be back next week. I'm going to say it now with hopefully a shorter episode. I'm going to say it happen, every week. Is it? It's not going to happen. <laughs> I think it's it's a thing uh, we've not said, but the pair of us are teachers, so we do like the sound of our own voices. We do. We do. Um, and we'll be back with you next week. So with that, good luck to the teams you support, and thank you for listening. See you next week.